It's been a few weeks, a couple weeks, I guess, since we've been in Isaiah. So um, we're in Isaiah 44. I'm going to just read through um, about eight verses to get us caught up uh, to where we'll be tonight. But now listen, Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb, and helped, and who will help you? Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant. Jeserun, who I have chosen, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. Some will say, I belong to the Lord. Others will call themselves by the name of Jacob. Still others will write on their hand, the Lord's, and will take the name of Israel. This is what the Lord says, Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established my ancient people and what is yet to come. Yes, let them foretell what will come. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for this day. Uh, we thank you for the chance to be here. Um, we ask uh, that you would let your presence uh, be felt tonight, God. Um, just uh, just be with us. Open up our, our hearts and our minds and our ears. God, help me to get out of the way and to, uh, to uh, let you speak tonight. And God, help the air conditioner to blow a little bit harder. It's, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Earlier this week at work, we were talking about money. We were talking about how to tell if money is counterfeit or not. So I grabbed a $5 bill. Um, don't tell Jackson because it was his birthday money. Uh, I'm, I'm borrowing $5 from Jackson. Uh, hopefully somebody will remind me uh, to give it back to him. So I grabbed a $5 bill tonight so we could uh, look at it briefly. I worked in banks for about six or seven years, and uh, now I work at Sears. I work retail, so I handle money a lot. And there are specific things that they put in money to make it easier uh, to tell if it's real and to make it harder to counterfeit. Back probably before a lot of you remember, even 20s and 100s looked like this. They didn't say one, they said 20 or 100. But they had the small... Um, the small picture there, uh, they looked different from the five here. Uh, they looked like this. There were still ways that you could tell um, if a bill was counterfeited or not. Most of them have a security strip in them, which this one does. Um, and the older ones, you could tell by the, uh, the type of paper that they're made on. It's, I believe it's 25% fiber and 75% cotton. There are small blue and red fibers in the paper. Um, I didn't know that before I worked at a bank, and of course they had to teach us that stuff so we would know uh, when we got a counterfeit bill. It also feels completely different because that paper, you can't just go to Staples and buy the paper. It's the same thing um, with the, the new bills. They just have more security features on these. If you hold one of these new bills up to the light, you can see the same picture, 
uh, of Abe Lincoln. You can't, y'all won't really be able to see it, but you can see the picture of Abe Lincoln real faintly uh, in the background. It also has a security strip going through right here. It's made with the same pa paper, uh, the one you can see red and blue fibers in. There's also really, really tiny writing um, on the side here and on the side here. Uh, we've learned uh, as we've tried to print out signs that if you don't use the right font, if the font's too thin, it's hard to get the, right, the, the, the font just right. It's the same way with that, except that's even tinier uh, than the font we've tried to use. It's hard to get it just right. Those are just a few of the uh, security measures um, that they've put into, into um, bills now. The reason I'm talking about that is because tonight we're going to talk about idols. Um, we're going to talk about counterfeits. Uh, the reason a counterfeit five, this isn't one, but the reason a counterfeit five would be worth something to someone is because the real $5 bill is worth something. If the real $5 bill wasn't worth anything, there wouldn't be a counterfeit to it. There would be no need in there being a counterfeit to it. Like I said, I worked in banks for several years, and I only saw two or three uh, counterfeit bills. Um, the ones that I saw weren't done very well. They were basically just printed on regular paper. Uh, so it was easy to see the counterfeit. If you had 10 bills laying down there and one of these counterfeit ones was there, it was easy to see that. A lot of times idols or counterfeit gods in our lives aren't quite as easy to see as those counterfeit bills were. Back to Isaiah 44. All who make idols are nothing, and the things they treasure are worthless. Those who would speak up for them are blind. They are ignorant to their own shame. Who shapes a god and casts an idol, which can profit nothing? People who do that will be put to shame. Such craftsmen are only human beings. Let them all come together and take their stand. They will be brought down to terror and shame. So we're going to look at Isaiah 44 and look at the counterfeit gods, look at the idols that were made. The counterfeits in Isaiah 44, it started with the created, creating. Verse 10, who shapes a god and casts an idol which can profit nothing. People who do that will be put to shame. People who God created, uh, humans who God created, are no longer the created. They're the creators. The blacksmith takes a tool and works with it in the coals. He shapes an idol with hammers. He forges it with the might of his arm. He gets hungry and loses his strength. He drinks no water and grows faint. The carpenter measures with a line and makes an outline with a marker. He roughs it out with chisels and marks it with compasses. He shapes it in human form in all its glory, that it may dwell in a shrine. He cut down cedars or perhaps perhaps took a cypress or oak. He let it grow among the trees of the forest or planted a pine and the rain made it grow. So first we see that the created uh, become the creators of these counterfeits. The creators get tired, they get hungry, they lose strength. We'll see in a minute how this is the opposite of what the true creator does and the true creator uh, has done. It is used as fuel for burning. Some of it takes, some of it he takes and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes a bread. But he also fashions a god and worships with it. He makes an idol and bows down to it. 
Half of the wood he burns in the fire, over it he prepares his meal. He roasts his meat and eats his fill. He also warms himself and says, ah, I am warm, I see the fire. From the rest he makes a god, his idol. He bows down to it and worships. He prays to it and says, save me, you are my god. I should have brought a piece of wood with me tonight um, to show this, um, but I think you can get the picture. You've got a piece of wood, about half of this piece of wood he uses, uh, and you chop it up. Um, the creator now chops it up and uses it for firewood. But then the other half he takes and he carves an idol uh, in the other half, sets that idol up, and worships that idol. The creation is used as fuel on one end, fuel for the fire, and also on the other end, used as a god or an idol, a counterfeit god. They know nothing. They understand nothing. Their eyes are plastered over so they cannot see, and their minds closed so they cannot understand. No one stops to think. No one has the knowledge or understanding to say, half of it I used for fuel. I even baked bread over its coals. I roasted meat, and I ate. Shall I make a detestable thing from what, I, what is left? Shall I bow down to a block of wood? Such a person feeds on ashes. A deluded heart misleads him. He cannot save himself or say, is not this thing in my right hand? The creator worships what he created. When I read this, how I read it is almost like God is almost laughing, saying, oh, look at them. Um, they've got this wood, half of it they use for fuel. They even baked bread over, um, over its coals. They roasted meat, they ate. And then they make a detestable thing, an idol from what's left. And then they bow down to that block of wood. I almost laugh about it when I see it, and, and, and I read it that way. Um, when we see the creator of that worshiping what he's created. Now the truth is completely opposite of these four things. The creator, capital C, God, God never tires. Um, the, the humans who did the creating, they tired. They needed water, they needed food. The, the true creator never tires. The creation, which is us, uh, we were made to rule all of creation. The creation, again, us and all of creation, is, is made uh, to worship the creator. On the slide before this, um, where I showed the creator worshiping the creation, we've turned things around completely. Uh, the creation, us, we were made to rule all of creation, not to worship creation. When God created us, he said we were to rule, we were to subdue, we were to be in charge. And we've turned that around. In Isaiah 44, they had turned that around, and they had worshipped the creators, the creations, um, instead of worshipping the creator. All right, now I'm going to look at um, counterfeits in the New Testament. Romans 1, uh, 21 through 24. Uh, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being, and birds, and animals, and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They worshipped and served 
created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. So we see basically the same thing here. Um, instead of worshiping the creator, instead of worshiping the one who created us, instead of worshiping who we were created to worship, they worshiped things that they created. Counterfeits in the New Testament, the created claimed to be wise, but they became fools. The created exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images of humans, birds, animals, and reptiles. The created exchanged the truth for a lie. The truth is the creator became flesh. The creator is the truth. The creator exchanged our sin for his righteousness. You know, I think about the Pharisees. When Jesus was here on earth, he didn't, who did he hang out with? He, hang, he hung out with sinners. He hung out with uh, the people that nobody else liked. Who was he the hardest on? He was the hardest on the Pharisees, right? The people who were the in people of, um, of Judaism, of, of their religion. Uh, he was the hardest on them because they were the ones that claimed to be wise but became fools. Um, they were the ones who... They exchanged the truth for a lie. They had Jesus right there with them, but they exchanged that for a lie. The lie was that they didn't need Jesus, um, that they could rely on their training, their history, their, um, their religious upbringing. So now we're going to move on to our counterfeits. Tim Keller said, what is an idol? It is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to give you only what God can give. Uh, Matt Chandler said, idolatry is a funny animal because it rarely dwells in morally dark things. It almost always dwells in positive things that are made ultimate. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but does anybody have a wooden idol at home that they bow down to? I would imagine... None of us do that. Idolatry for us is a little bit different than it was in the Bible. There are some people um, that, that create idols that they bow down to, but in the crowd that we have here tonight, I would venture to guess that that number is, uh, is very few, if any. Um, these quotes kind of point more to something other than idols that you've carved out of wood, idols that you've made out of out of metal. I grew up in Texas. There are a lot of good things about Texas. Uh, there are a lot of fun things about Texas. Uh, one th there are a lot of TV shows, a lot of movies that have, ma have been made about Texas. One TV show about football, Josh, you can answer this, that's very good, is Friday Night Lights. There's also a movie and a book. The movie and the book are based on a real school uh, in Texas, the, um, the TV show, while I think it's good and fairly accurate, isn't based on a real, uh, a real town in Texas. This is the first thing I want to show about our counterfeits. This is a high school football stadium in Texas. Um, this, this stadium is about um, 
not even 10 minutes from where I used to live. Uh, I, don't e- uh, I do know how many it seats. It's on the next screen. It seats 18,000 people. It cost, um, I, I meant to put it on there, I think it was $60 million uh, to build it. Uh, it is, it's crazy. Uh, you know, as you can see, if you look at it, it doesn't look like um, high school f- kids should be playing uh, in that stadium. Um, also put on here on Friday Night Lights, Ratliff Stadium. Uh, this is not the TV show, the movie and the book. Ratliff Stadium in Odessa, Texas. Uh, that's where Odessa Permian and Odessa play. Uh, that's the stadium that the, uh, the book and the movie um, were. That's, uh, those are the teams that those are about. They hold 19,302 people. According to Max Preps, uh, three of the top ten high school football stadiums to see before you die are in Texas. So I grew up where Texas was, for a lot of people, God. Um, I, I grew up in a much smaller town uh, than the town that has uh, this stadium. Uh, my, the town I grew up in, everybody from that town could fit in that stadium, oh, about ten times. So multiply what we had by ten and we would have almost filled up that stadium. Our town, um, on the way out of town, there was a sign during football season that said, the last one to leave, turn out the lights. Because when we had a football game, everybody left to go to the football game. Um, I always thought if you were going to steal something, that would be the time to break into somebody's house and steal something, because all the cops, all the people, everybody uh, were gone. This shows the first... I'm just going to point out some obvious counterfeits. Um, we may get into some less obvious, uh, but sports and activities um, are counterfeits, are idols that we have. I could have named the Orioles, the Rangers, the Ravens, the Eagles, Cowboys, Redskins. I could have named anybody like that, but sports uh, and activities, uh, often they become gods for us. This, this is the only picture that I could find of me working. Um, <laughs> you can tell I'm working really hard, uh, but we are wearing blue shirts, so we're, we're at Sears there. Um, we, were ha- we were actually cooking out that day. Um, sometimes uh, we make work a God for us. Uh, work is the most important thing for us. In fact, in th- I would say there are are three things here um, that I myself have made um, counterfeits before. Work, friends, and ourselves. Anything, again, that we put in front of God, anything, um, anything that's more important to us than God uh, is a counterfeit. That's my family. It's a couple-year-old picture. Um, The two older boys pretty much look the same. Jackson looks a little different. Uh, Brenna in the back, and then me and Rachel. Uh, That shows you more counterfeits, our family and our kids. The kids thing, I wanted to mention, uh, along with the sports and activities at the first, um, but I didn't. Let me see. It's very, very difficult not to make your kids a counterfeit God for you. 
it's difficult, and that sounds kind of funny, but it's difficult not to idolize your kids. Caden's six years old. It's hard for me not to, I probably do it too much, but not to always talk about how good he did on ba in baseball and how hard he can hit a ball. And I'm not going to even go into anymore because I feel like I'm already starting to do that. And the same thing with Tobias and and his putting together puzzles and coloring and more um, more intellectual things than Caden. And Jackson, not so much anything yet, but I'm sure, <laughs> I, I'm sure uh, as he gets older, there'll be things. And I know not very many of you here have kids, uh, but it's, it's hard not to idolize your kids. It's hard for them not to be a counterfeit God for you. So those are some of the, uh, some of the more obvious counterfeits. I put this slide here because if we're not careful, we can make church a counterfeit. Uh, that sounds kind of funny because we come to church to worship God. We come to church to learn about God. Tim Keller again, he said, idolatry functions widely inside religious communities when doctrinal truth is elevated to the position of a false god. Their trust in the righteousness of their views makes them feel superior. Making an idol out of doctrinal accuracy, ministry success, or moral rectitude leads to constant internal conflict, arrogance, and self-righteousness and oppression of those whose view differs. If we're not careful, we can put the Restoration Project and our beliefs and what we do here above Jesus. Let me back up a second. All of these things in and of themselves aren't bad. I want to make sure that I say that because I don't want you to think that I'm saying it's bad to go home tonight and watch the Rangers and Orioles play and cheer for the Rangers because that is not bad. <laughs> it's not bad. Um, money isn't bad. Loving money, putting your trust in money is bad. Loving to work is good. It's not bad. If you have a job that you hate doing, that's bad. If you have a job you love doing, that's good. It just reminded me of something else that I need. Kate, there's a piece of paper folded up back there. Thank you. Um, friends, obviously having friends is not bad. Having friends is good. Um, being yourself is not bad. It's good. Having a family, loving your family is not bad. It's good. Having kids, loving your kids, supporting your kids, being proud of your kids, talking about your kids is not bad. It's good. But when any of these take the place of God or any of these are above God, that is bad and not good. So I had a church there at the bottom. That's one thing, one of the maybe not so obvious uh, counterfeits that we have. When I look at that list, everything on there points back to me. Everything on there to me is me saying, I'm not going to rely on God to tell me who I am. I'm not going to let my world revolve 
around God. I'm going to let my world revolve around sports. I'm going to let my world revolve around money, work, friends, myself, my family, my kids, or my church. We can do a lot of things as a church that are good things, uh, but don't, but that don't point people to God, and that's when church becomes a counterfeit. So here's the truth in relation to those. N.T. Wright said that the God whom we didn't want, but who amazingly wants us, uh, again, the creator became flesh. The creator is the truth. The creator exchanged our sin for his righteousness. You know, sometimes it's hard when we try to, uh, try to find counterfeits in our own lives. Um, I'm going to have a list here in just a second that might help you find some of the hidden counterfeits in your life. Um, I'm going to read part of a letter that Rachel, I won't say she wrote to me, she kind of wrote about me. She posted it on her um, photography blog, and it's called Fighting for Joy, a letter to my husband. Um, even though it was on her blog, I did ask her for permission uh, because I didn't want to get in trouble. My dearest friend, uh, lately I feel as though I've been observing our lives from above. At first, I kept finding myself a little disappointed. I had expected my life to be a little different. I had expected to have certain things by the time I was in my 30s but I began to realize most of those things I had expected were only material things. You know, like a house we were in the process of owning or maybe cars that didn't seem to be falling apart. More clothes, better furniture. Like most little girls, I dreamed of a life that was a fairy tale. I expected to be a different wife, more like a June Cleaver kind of wife. Some of y'all may have no idea who that is. Let's just, let's just take it. How many of you know who June Cleaver is? Uh, probably about 50-50. Um, go home and, <laughs> and try to find some old videos of Leave it to Beaver, and you'll find out who June Cleaver is. I expected to be a different kind of wife, more like a June Cleaver kind of wife. Slim, fit, dinner on the table, and a spotless house when you get home kind of wife. I don't tell you... Um, enough how much I love you and how thankful I am that God crossed our paths and I know what stops me remember these are her words not mine the selfish stubborn prideful hag takes over it's important again that you remember those are her words not mine I, the husbands are laughing right now nobody else is um, takes over controlling my heart my actions my words let me correct that I let her take control. In the seven and a half years that we've been married, I'd never say we had it easy, always struggling to make ends meet, being unhappy in jobs, seeing a church home and finding only discouragement, being hurt by people uh, who one would expect not to have been hurt by. Uh, but we also have had numerous blessings. God always knows when we need a little pick-me-up uh, to keep us going. I realize, well, let me not, I don't want to read that part yet. The first part of this I, I was talking to Rachel about it today. The first part of that, I think, is God revealing some idols to her that she's had her whole life. And we, we do it to our kids even now. Um, a house that we're in the process of owning, again, that's not bad. 
But when that's all you dream about, that's not good. Cars that didn't seem to falling apart, be falling apart, again, cars that aren't falling apart is good, not bad. Uh, but when that's what you dream about, that's not good. More clothes, better furniture, like most little girls dreamed of a life that was a fairy tale. Those are idols that we make. Um, expecting to be a different kind of wife, more of a June Cleaver kind of wife, slim fit, dinner on the table in a spotless house when you get home kind of wife. That's not a bad thing, but when that's what you aspire to more than being a godly wife, that's an idol. Okay, let me read the end of it now, or part of it. I realize that I want our lives, the lives of our children, our home, to be overflowing with joy. Joy doesn't come easily. We have to fight for it. We won't find joy in having things, but we will find joy in the laughter in our home. We will find joy in teaching our boys godly character. We will find joy in spending time together, just the two of us. I know that seems near impossible. We will find joy in spending time together as a family. We will find joy if we give up time on our gadgets. We will find joy in letting go. I would add to the end of that, we will find joy in letting go of our idols, in letting go of these counterfeit gods in our lives. So I read that to you, not not that it's a bad thing for you all to see a little bit into Rachel and, and my relationship. That's a good thing. But that's not why I read it to you. I read it to you so you can see that, man, I feel like God's working in Rachel's life and, and pulling out idols, pointing them out to her and helping her to try to turn away from those idols and turn towards God to, to raise our sons to be godly men. And honestly, I, I say that to you hoping that God will do the same thing to me, that he'll point out some idols in my life that I haven't seen, uh, some idols maybe that I've had for a lifetime, and, and change those things. Okay, we'll end with this. What are your counterfeits? There's ten questions here. Um, these were in a book uh, that Tim Keller wrote. Uh, what consumes most of your thoughts and feelings? What motivates the things that you do? What are you most afraid of? What brings the highest amount of frustration or anger into your life? What is one thing that can change your mood in a second? What would your friends say is, the fav is your favorite topic of conversation? What are some things that you feel you can't live without? What brings you solace? What do you yearn for? What is one thing that you wish God would do for you? A lot of the answers to these for me would be material things, and I didn't mention material things much uh, when I talked about idols. Um, Rachel and her thing, talking about our gadgets and stuff, um, material things our idols, I think that are easiest to see in our lives. It's easy to, for me to see that I spend way too much time playing on the iPad instead of spending that time with my boys and spending that time with my wife and spending that time with God. Um, that I spend way too much time um, watching TV shows like Friday Night Lights but instead of spending time. You know, when, you, when you're sitting there with your wife watching TV, that's not really spending time together. We just like to say that it is. And to me, that's, that's making material things an idol uh, in our lives. So what I want to do now, um, we're going to end uh, in just a minute.
um, just like we have been here for the past couple of months with communion, um, with our offering basket over here, and with prayer in the back. Um, I'm going to leave this slide up there. Um, before you take uh, communion, we're going to pray um, and then read through these questions again and see if God uh, points out any idols in your life, any counterfeit gods in your life that maybe you didn't know were there. And right now, um, you can ask God for forgiveness uh, for, for having those counterfeit gods in your life. And yeah, you can ask God for his help uh, in helping you turn away from those things, uh, making those things less important and God more important.